0: Welcome to the Player Development Project podcast. My name is Dave Wright, co-founder and editor of Player Development Project. PDP is a website for coaches who are committed to learning, and we provide a huge library of resources which consists of cutting-edge insights from the world's most innovative player developers, coach educators, and researchers. If you want to learn from the best and join a community of like-minded coaches, then check out playerdevelopmentproject.com. On this week's Player Development Project podcast, we answer a question from our community and try to offer up advice on practical problems faced by coaches around the world. Hi everyone, welcome to another Player Development Project Q&A. Pleased to be joined once again by my colleague, UEFA A License Coach and PDP Technical Advisor, Dan Wright. Dan, how are you this week?
1: I'm oh, good, thank you. That title's getting longer and longer, as well.
0: It's a mouthful, mate, but you know, you've know, you achieved so much and come so far, so um, we're really proud of you here at PDP. Um, thank this, you. this week, we've got a question from uh, Nick via Facebook, and he's down in Australia. We've been getting a few from Australia lately, which is fantastic. So Nick said he's an NPL coach down there, but he's asking the question from a parent's perspective, and he says, my son has been identified as a good player uh, with great ability and a good football brain, but he's been told by his coaches he needs to improve his awareness. Um, what can I do as a parent to help him improve his awareness so he can progress to the next level? So I guess there's a couple of caveats there. We, we don't really want to go too far down the great talent ID debate, which we know rages on social media, and I, we don't know the age of the player, so we're going to sort of speculate a little bit. Um, and what the next level is, we're not sure. So he, if he's playing NPL football, then perhaps that's National Premier League and he's looking to you know, get to State League or potentially into Academy football. So we're going to make a few assumptions here. Um but first of all I think we need to start off with the idea of what is awareness. I mean what are your thoughts around this one mate?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's quite a complex question that. Are we reading that question that he is his coach? I or think
0: we I think we're going to assume he's um probably the parent but he he may be the coach of the player as well so.
1: Okay. Uh so yeah, uh, yeah. what is awareness? Awareness for me would be a skill. Um And so a skill has to be learned in the context of the game would be my initial response. How about you?
0: Yeah, I agree. I think, um, you know, particularly developing awareness is something that probably needs to happen in an opposed situation. I think um, it's very hard to develop awareness if there's no pressure or no realism. So these sort of concepts around representative learning design, which is essentially developing sessions that look like the game or parts of the game, Um, I think is really important and I think we've got to, I guess, sort of dive into this a little bit around, you know, skill acquisition and and non-linear pedagogy, which are concepts that we've promoted and talked about a lot through PDP from contributors like Mark Upton and Marco Sullivan and Al Smith and of course our own Jimmy Vaughan. So, what are your thoughts around these concepts and how we can take these into developing awareness?
1: Yeah, I think for me, skill acquisition is about um, designing practices that look like the game or represent part of the game and then... uh, creating opportunities for action and and allowing or or that that skill to emerge through the game rather than the coach telling the player what to do and to receive the ball back foot and then to play it left footed the the game or the 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 practice um forces or exposes the player to do that Mm -hmm. Would, would you agree with that
0: yeah definitely and i think it goes back to the idea of the coaching spectrum which is again something we've talked about in the past and we talk about whether we can learn a skill in isolation so you you and i are both saying that skill is based on the information around you and i agree with that i think i think it's it's something that needs to be realistic so If we separate the two concepts of uh, skill and technique, and and there's that whole debate that rages around isolated practice versus, um, you know, opposed practice, Um, I think we need to really just clarify what our stance is on that. And I think in terms of awareness, I think it needs to be opposed. I think whether it's 1v1s and trying to retain the ball or turn on the ball or beat a player, or whether it's in a broader sense in a 7v7, 9v9 or 11v11, then the information around is going to help develop uh, the awareness. And, of course, that is a skill in itself.
1: Yeah, I suppose uh, the with, with awareness. If I get it wrong in a game, the consequence is that I lose the ball, yeah. uh, or I don't receive the ball, or I miss pace a pass. So for the practice. For, for the transfer to look real, there has to be that consequence for me that mm. I, I got it wrong. You yeah. know, I, I, and perhaps in an isolated practice, that would be difficult because you just get another go, another go, another go. Um, so, so for me, it would have to be semi-opposed interference or opposed at that, that end of the spectrum. Um, I, I do believe that all parts of that that coaching spectrum that you know the block practice, constant practice, whatever you want to call it, there are parts of that that are important. Mm-hmm. And you know, th- th- there's always a, in my opinion, there's always a space for players to go and practice with the with the ball, ball on a wall. Ball on their own, ball on a goal. That that for me should always happen. Um, the bit where I I sort of wrestle and struggle is if I've got a group of players, I probably wouldn't spend a lot of time doing that with a group. No, I think I think a lot of that stuff can happen on their own, or it can happen, you know, before training, or with homework, or in certain parts of the day if you've got the players for. You know, on on ten hours a week. But if you're like like the question poses, it's a grassroots sort of situation. And you've got 15 players at practice. I think it's probably not the best use of time to do something um, completely isolated. And and for me, it wouldn't it wouldn't um, it wouldn't develop awareness. So I, I think it's you know it's not my area of expertise, but it would be about that sort of perception action coupling. So in football, the technique is is a decision, isn't it? It's, mm-hmm. it's got to be it's got to be a decision making. It's got to have a consequence. It's got to have You know, success looks like this when I get it right. Uh, and that wouldn't happen in an isolated practice for me.
0: Yeah, it goes back to the idea of, um, you know, perceive and then, you know, actually execute. So, you know, perceive the information around you. So there's obviously a number of ways to go back to the question again as to how we can help develop this. Um, obviously, we've sp- spoken about opposed practices or interference practices. So that might be working on passing and receiving by having to play through other players, whether it's a three-team game or using different colored bibs and saying players can only pass to their own color. So then they've got to pick passes on clear lines. They've got to pick the right type pass, the right shape of pass or weight of pass, as opposed to just getting players working back and forth between two cones, which will mean they get really good at passing back and forth between two cones. Um, So I think we can look at interference as a really nice way to build the challenge up when it comes to awareness and decision making. I think we'd also promote and and definitely advocate the use of futsal and there's some great um, practitioners out there who are promoting futsal, uh, street football and of course other sports. You know, again, we don't know the age of the player in question. But, you know, we would advocate a multi-sports approach, um, you know, in terms of physical literacy and and getting that development. So it's important that whether it's basketball or whether it's netball or uh, whether it's, you know, different games entirely that aren't necessarily invasion games, there's loads of ways to develop awareness and skill acquisition through that. Um, Mm -hmm. The other thing I'd like to add on that is is positional play. You know, we don't know which position this player is playing in, but let's assume this player is a centre-back. The game's going to be in front of them a lot. If you put them into central midfield, now suddenly there's going to be a 360 degree picture there. And I think it's really important that with young players, they do get a taste of different positions and they don't get pigeonholed at the age of seven or eight or nine into one position and they learn to be really good at playing right sided fullback all the time because then they're going to be good at overlaps and forward passes. But are they going to be great at receiving with their back to goal? So having that sort of varied experience, I think, is going to be crucial to developing the awareness of this player.
1: Yeah, and linking into what you said about talent ID, that that player might have the characteristics of playing that position at this time. Exactly. And perhaps, perhaps when he comes out the other end of maturity at, at 16 or it might be, you know, 23, yeah. he might not have the attributes to play fullback. He might not be able to run up and down the pitch, you know, like a Danny Alves. So you, you might have not used the time you had with him wisely. And if you play players in different positions, you're almost widening that that funnel, that bracket of guys that can play in different positions for longer. Um just going, going back to what you said about multi-sports, I think, I think any sport that probably has the principles of play or, or invasion is going to have transference, so uh, I think basketball is a really good one for awareness. Mm-hmm. It's tight, it's quick, especially if you play in the middle of the pitch. And then you know for the u k viewers and listeners it would be it would be netball netball's a great sport for probably not so popular with the boys, but it's a great sport for for guys to to get the ball and pass the ball, get the ball and pass the ball um, and loads of decision making really quick, really transitional, and loads of consequence when you get it wrong because you have to run and get it back yeah um, so so i think I think that would be something that I would look to do and then and then, in terms of small practices. You know, We've talked about being opposed. I think it's also worth clarifying that it doesn't have to look like the macro game. It doesn't have to be 9v9 or 11v11. Mm-hmm. It could just be a 2v2, a 3v3 or an overload, underload situation. I think any, any, anything where I'm receiving pressure, whether that's from behind, from the side, before the pass, after the pass, I think is going to build my awareness and, and help me make better decisions. Absolutely. Sorry sorry to go on a rant. And then the, the, the <laughs> last the last thing that I, I was thinking about was how you could perhaps give the individual challenges within a game. Mm. So awareness is a really broad subject. It might be, you know, awareness to defend. It might be awareness to get on the ball. It might be awareness of playing that longer passing behind. Yeah. So you could almost use the game as a training session and say today, yes, play your game. But I want you to really focus on that that ball that you get. And the space and beyond and I want you to practice passing the ball over the top or around the sides and different ways to practice that mm. and so the player is still playing the game but but his real focus is on getting it which is awareness and then awareness of okay my number nine is running in behind or my seven's ready to get it to feet and practicing those longer passes not to say that's the only thing you could work on but perhaps do that for a couple of weeks three four weeks then move on to okay now when you receive the ball I want you to practice when you can carry it for as long as you can mm. so can you your awareness now is, can I get it? And there's space to, to drive and dribble at defenders. And so you're almost scaffolding that up and building up, you know, the dribbles, the passes and then you, the assists or the key passes.
0: Yeah, some great points there. And I think the, the biggest one there for me is also working on off the ball. You know, we always think, you know, Xavi and Yester, the the, the most aware players in the world uh, in terms of passing and receiving and opening the game up. But off the ball is really important. Defensively, are you aware? So can you use overloads, as you suggested, to give players problems to solve. It might be a 2v3 defensive scenario. Do I go and press the ball now because I've got support in a good position or am I actually outnumbered? I need, I need to delay. So being aware on or off the ball is something that can be trained within clever session design. Um, just in terms of some content for the listeners and viewers out there, um, Learning Dynamics by Mark Upton. Uh, seven Principles of Nonlinear Pedagogy by Mark Upton, again a regular contributor to the site. Creating Problem Solvers by Marco Sullivan, an excellent blog. And our own James Vaughan has written uh, From Playground to Premier League uh, around the Yannick Balassi story and, and another blog called Skill Adapting to the Environment. So, all of those are great reads on the site. In terms of members content, I'd also recommend issue three of the magazine, a great article on Javi called Heightened Awareness by Gabriel Flores, who's a top coach that we've both worked with, uh, and also a webinar discussion with Jose Barcala Garcia down there at Deportivo, just talking about Spanish methodology and and positional games and how that builds awareness. So loads of content there for the the listeners to have a little uh, look at and hopefully uh, help with this question. Any final thoughts from you on this complex topic, Dan?
1: Yeah, I think just to, to, to wrap up, as a parent, there's going to be times where this goes wrong, mm. and so you've got to decide, you know, when you're when you're feeding back, if you choose to feedback, are you, are you praising the intent or, or are you only looking at the outcome? So going back to you know, it's my scenario that was in my head. If the player's getting it and he's trying that longer passes for the number nine, and he's trying it, but it's not going quite right. Are you going to praise the idea, or are you going to, you know, you're going to destroy the fact that that it's going wrong? Because if, for me to improve something, there's going to be periods of failure. And so, you know, what about which part of what I'm doing is wrong? So if I've, if I've received the ball and I've opened up and I've played forward, that bit's great. So you might start with that and then say, you know, if there's not space in behind, what are you going to do? Or to get that ball in behind, you might have to curl it. You might have to to play that sort of that that pass that's going to bend away and drop into a space. Or you might have to play a more powerful pass or whatever it is you're seeing. And so maybe just praising the intent rather than the execution all the time because sometimes I think going back to our, you know, sort of our adult lens, you might say, oh, that doesn't look like when Lalana does it mm. um, and it's not quite right. But it might be that actually part of his process is really, really good and so it's just you need to ramp on the next few bits. And so next week, we're not going to practice or not focus so much on receiving it back foot because you've got that. We're going to focus on a split pass that goes through a back and a centre mm. and I suppose if you can be more specific, then you're only going to help the player.
0: Absolutely. look some really interesting ideas there. It's a complex topic, but uh, certainly a great question from Nick. We wish him all the best with his coaching and all the best to his son with his football. Thanks, Dan, for your time again this week. It's been another great discussion. We will look forward to another PDP Q and A very soon. Thanks for joining us on the Player Development Project podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at PlayerDP or find us on Facebook. Don't forget to head over to playerdevelopmentproject.com where you can sign up to our progressive coaching community and gain access to our wide variety of resources to help you in your coaching.